Thank you. Good to be with you again. Talking about last night, I, I didn't watch the royal wedding last night, um, but I, I heard about the sermon and read the uh, transcript of the sermon when I got home. <clears throat> it was all about uh, love <clears throat> and how important love is and uh, what a world-changing uh, thing to really love. And uh, it sort of made sense because I was, uh, instead of watching the royal wedding, I was at another royal event at uh, the palace of the MCG <coughs> and uh, <coughs> watching uh, Essendon Beach along. And uh, we, we were about twenty to 30,000 people there expressing love towards the bombers and um, <laughs> words of encouragement and words of consolation, of course, for the CAT supporters who were there. And it was a wonderful experience. But... Um, uh, amazing. Uh, so we're talking about the sermon from the royal wedding that um, that a, a black preacher, in uh, in in all of his uh, ability to communicate well, um, communicated to millions around the world the love of Jesus. Uh, pretty amazing stuff. It's good. We need to be praying that um, that those seeds that were planted through that that message uh, will take some root around the world. Pretty incredible stuff. Um, thanks for your uh, uh, leading this morning and, and uh, for drawing out of that passage um, the application really to look at the persecuted church around the world. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to be looking at a different perspective uh, this morning and so I'm really glad that that um, perspective has been brought out because it's a very important one and it's certainly something that we can learn from the verses that are there. The, uh, the, the topic that was attached to these verses that was given to me uh, was out of this world. And um, I've just added a question mark to it and it will become obvious as uh, we go through uh, as to why I've added the question mark. So out of this world, question mark. And it comes from uh, John chapter 15, verses 18 to 25, which I'll read to you now. I'm reading from the NIV. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. And that is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. Uh, last time I was with you, I mentioned that there are two general contexts that uh, the passage, uh, the passages in John 15 need to be seen in. And the first one, again, uh, the verses have been read to us, or at least some of the verses from John chapter 1. It's very important to understand uh, this passage where Jesus is saying, uh, you, you're hated by the world, uh, in the light of what uh, the introduction to John's gospel was uh, in John chapter 1. And uh, last time I was with you, uh, we, we saw that that involved this almighty God who was involved in creation 
uh, taking on the, the, the humanness, becoming uh, a human being. And as uh, Eugene Peterson uh, paraphrases it, uh, he uh, moved in next door, so he became the neighbour. He just lived across the road from us. <laughs> and that's the, uh, that's the impact of John chapter 1. So everything that John talks about in his gospel uh, needs to be in the context of that introduction, that this is God that we're talking about, uh, the almighty God who was involved in creation, but the transcendent God who has become imminent, the, the God who is above all things, who has come in and moved in with us and lives next door and lives out, as John says in chapter 1, lives out the fullness of God's character, summed up in the words grace and truth. Grace, undeserved kindness to us. Truth, he is the real deal. This is, this is for sure. This is fair income, what we're dealing with here. This is really and truly God. That's the idea of grace and truth. And that He is living it out, living next door to us. So that's the context that we need to, to see this in. Uh, but there's another context as well, and that is the context of, uh, chapters 13 through to 17, in which obviously chapter 15 occurs. Because in, in John 13, we see Him drawing aside, uh, to have, uh, the last meal that He would have with the disciples before His crucifixion. And it's at that meal that we have celebrated today where he broke the bread and he poured the wine and and he said, this is my body and this is my blood. Uh, But John gives us much more insight than the other Gospels do into what was happening around that table. He spends for those chapters, chapters 13 through to 17, on telling us what uh, what Jesus said around the table. So they're leaning back and they're chatting on it probably for hours and talking about things that Jesus really wanted his disciples to know before uh, he was crucified. And repeatedly he says in those chapters, I am going away. I am going away, so I need to tell you this. I am going away, so I need to tell you that. And it's especially important, I think, when we come to the topic of the Holy Spirit, which we'll be looking at um, uh, next week. But everything else needs to be seen in that context as well, the context of I'm going away, so I really want you to hear this, I really want you to know. And so today's passage, uh, where he talks about uh, persecution and where he talks about the world hating you, is in that context of Jesus saying you really need to be prepared For just about anything, I am going away and this is what you need to be prepared for. He is telling them the truth. Remember John chapter 1, he is full of grace and truth. He's he's not sugarcoating this, it's going to be tough is what he is saying. And so it's in those contexts that we need to understand this passage. And so we come to the passage John 15, 18 to 25, out of this world. Question mark. In this in this passage, Jesus talks about the difficult side of remaining in Him. Now, last time I was with you, we looked. I, I, I opened up those verses on abiding, remaining, uh, the, the 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 vine and the branches, the vine providing the life for the branches, 
that uh, fruit will be born, the father pruning, taking care of uh, the vine so that the fruit will be born, the uh, the branches learning to remain, learning to abide, to allow the life to flow through them, that fruit might be born. And uh, and that's, that's pretty good news, really. Uh, but here in these verses, we come to the difficult side of remaining in him. Remain in me and the fruit will be born. But i got to tell you... <laughs> that the ground that you planted in is going to cause some problems. Uh, there's going to be some troubles. If you're, if you're identified with me, then you are going to suffer as I have suffered. Um, part of that suffering will be because uh, the world um, will, will hate you. Uh, the world will persecute you. Why? Uh, because you're different. Because you're different. Right throughout uh, the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, there is what we call an ethic of difference. It's uh, highlighted in Jesus' words when he said uh, in the Sermon on the Mount and various other places in the Gospels, not so with you. Not so with you. You've heard that it was said, da-da-da-da-da, not so with you. It's an ethic of difference. He is calling his disciples, his followers, to be different. Uh, to the world and here he says because you're different to the world uh, people will hate you and they'll persecute you Uh, because you're of God because you're my disciples you will be different in the world the world will hate you because the world tends to hate and persecute (laughs) hate and reject people who are different take that on board when you're different other people can't take it they don't know what's going on and then he says it's because they don't know me it's because they don't know God that they're going to persecute you and reject you that's what's happening to me Jesus says and that's what will happen to you if you remain in me so he's given them this instruction he said without me you can do nothing remain in me abide in me and the fruit will be born but by the way if you do remain in me, if you do abide in me, uh, there's going to be some struggles with that. All good, all well and good. But a deeper look into this passage and surrounding passages brings up a very important point, and that is that the world that Jesus is referring to here is the religious world. It's not the secular world. It's the religious world. He is saying to his disciples, you are in the world of Judaism. (laughs) And Judaism, the leaders of the Jews, will reject you. And they will persecute you because they don't know me. That comes clear if we skip down to John chapter 16 verses 1 to 3 where he unwraps this idea of what he is referring to as the world he says all this I've told you so that you'll not fall away I'm trying to prepare you for what's coming Uh, they will put you out of the synagogue who will put them out of the synagogue? the leaders of the synagogue they will put you out of the synagogue in fact the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. Who will do that? The religious leaders will do that. 
We see it in Acts. We see it under under Saul <laughs> very clearly. It was the religious world that rejected these followers of the way, first of all. Later on, the Romans caught on that it was a good thing to do. <laughs> but the first world that rejected them and the world that Jesus is referring to in this, uh, in, in this passage, John 15, is the religious world. Uh, verse 3, they will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. He's saying the religious leaders, they haven't known me. And, and that rings true for all the Gospels. Who did Jesus have the most problem with? Religious leaders. I've told you this so that when their time comes, you'll remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. And so he goes on. See, it's obvious from that passage that the world that he is referring to is the religious world. It's tragic, isn't it, to be reminded how often and how desperately difference is hated and persecuted. Uh, we live in a world that sees tolerance as compliance and it must be stomped out and, and, uh, and that seeking understanding through healthy conversation is seen as unhealthy compromise because you know, you're playing around with something that's different. Difference is scary. <laughs> when people are different to us, it's scary. And that impacts our life as Australians. It impacts our life as, as people who are followers of the way. But then what Jesus is saying is that that goes for people looking on at you and seeing you as different. And they're scared. They're afraid for various reasons. And they'll persecute you for that. And so the call to remain, the call to faithfully love, is given in the context of opposition. But basically what Jesus is saying here is that I'm telling you this so you'll be prepared for it because this sort of opposition to the way that you're living your lives, this ethic of difference, is not a reason for giving up. And then he goes straight on to the teaching about the Holy Spirit. And we'll get into that next week. But he, he, he sets it up by saying it's going to be tough. But you know what? The Holy Spirit is coming. And today is day of, it's the day we celebrate Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. And so a good time to remember uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we'll be looking at that next week. Um, but but he has, is saying that the Holy Spirit is coming and he, the, the Spirit of God, will enable you to be able to remain faithful even in the midst of persecution. But there's a concern that I have with this passage and I've had it for many years, ever since I connected John 15 and John 16 and saw that uh, Jesus was really talking about the religious world. And that concern is that many people preach this passage as justification for a removed stance from the world in which we live. Um, this becomes a, a mechanism for protecting our holiness, uh, for protecting our righteousness, be removed from the world. And that's why I had to put a question mark onto that title, Out of This World, because it says here Jesus chose us out of the world. In other words, we were a part, that they were a part of that religious system and Jesus chose them from that religious system. 
It doesn't mean he chose them to be separate from the world as in not in the world. That would be a terrible thing. Because how would the world experience the grace and the truth that Jesus came to personify and to, to, to be an example of and to communicate that John tells us in John chapter 1 and then sends us as the Father has sent me into the world. So am I sending you into the world. So this passage doesn't preach a removal from the world. What is the truth about our stance towards the world in which we live? Well, we're certainly called to be different. As I said, we've got an ethic of difference. A biblical term, a good biblical term is to be sanctified. We are called to be sanctified. But many people see that idea of sanctification as sort of removal from everything that might affect our sanctification. And to do that, we would need to be removed from the world. To be sanctified really means to be dedicated, to be dedicated. And so when, when the Bible talks about our sanctification, it's talking about our dedication, that we are committed to remaining in him. We are committed to this ethic of difference. We are committed, we are dedicated to being God's people even though the going might get tough and the opposition might come from the people who should be most supporting us. Even though the going is going to get tough, I am dedicated, sanctified to being like God. We are called to be holy as God is holy, uh, to be complete, to be the, the real deal. That's the truth uh, that Jesus came to communicate. We are called to that ethic of difference where Jesus says, not so with you. We're called to be an alternative community, to be different in that sort of way. But following Jesus' example, all of that is to be lived out where? Next door. In the neighbourhood, John chapter 1. All of that difference and all of that sanctification, all of that dedication and all of that holiness is to be lived out next door, involved, entrenched, embedded within the world. John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus was so embedded and so entrenched in the world that his cousin wouldn't have known that he was the Messiah. John the Baptist wouldn't have known that he was the Messiah if it hadn't been for a vision that was given to him that said, the one who you see the dove descend upon and, and, and you hear the voice and so forth, that's the one, that's the one I've counted. John, John the Baptist, as recorded in John chapter 1, says, I wouldn't have known that he was the one. Well, that tells me that Jesus did a pretty good job of fitting right in. <laughs> that he was embedded within the world. Oh, he was different. He had this ethic of difference. Uh, he had this um, uh, commitment and dedication to, uh, to, to live out grace and to live out truth and faithful love, to, to, to exegete, as we saw last time, the, the character of God, to make it known in the world. But he did so right in the midst of the people that he was living amongst. His difference 
wasn't in removal from the world, it was in his fullness of grace and truth lived out in the world. So one of the lessons from around the table in the context of I am going away was the answer to this question of what is my stance towards the world supposed to be? And it comes up in the midst of Jesus' prayer for his followers, which is John chapter 17. And I apologize beforehand if in the future somebody is given the role of talking about John 17. But I can't allow these verses in John 15 to be removed from what Jesus prays about in John 17. Because you see, this context of being around the table and talking about these things where he's talking here about persecution and opposition and, uh, and, and, and being in the world, living out uh, the truth and grace in the world, he wraps all of that up in a prayer. He wraps everything he's been saying around the table, John 13 to 16, he wraps up in a prayer in John 17. He prays about himself and so thankful to the Father. He prays about the, the disciples gathered around the table and he also uh, prays for those, for us, uh, those of us uh, who are going to follow those disciples. And in his prayer for the disciples, he makes it clear as to what the stance we have, disciples have, followers of Jesus have towards the world. I want to read those verses to you just as we begin to wrap up this message. John 17, uh, verse 11. This is the middle of his prayer. Uh, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. Notice he uses the same word, remain, as he did when he was talking in John 15 about the disciples remaining in him, abiding in him, staying in, uh, you know, closely connected. He, He refers, uses the same word, in reference to himself in the world. That's challenging, isn't it? I'll remain in the world no longer. In other words, I'm leaving that stance. Um, But they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that Scripture would be fulfilled I'm coming to you now but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they're not of the world any more than I'm of the world my prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one very important verse my prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them, dedicate them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. A lot in that passage, but let me just um, draw a couple of uh, reflections out of it. He's saying, my followers are being left here in the world, Father. Remember, he's praying to the Father. My followers are being left here in the world. They're going to need your protection. Uh, Just as I've protected them while I'm here on earth, in this three years of walking with them, I'm going away 
Remember that context, John chapters 13 to 17. I'm going away. You've got to protect them, Father. You've got to protect them. They need to, to stay united. That's one of the things that comes up in this passage uh, about uh, um, the Holy Spirit who comes. They, they need to stay united. They need to stick together and they need to be filled with joy. To be left in the world without this protection would put their unity and their joy at risk, Jesus is basically saying. The the world, and we know he's talking about the religious world primarily here, rejects them because they're different. They're not of the world. They're not like the world, he says here. They're not from the world. They, they, they don't have the origin. The word of, the, the Greek word that's translated of means origin. In other words, the origin of their thoughts and their attitudes and so forth are not worldly. They're from someplace else, so that makes them different. Their lifestyle doesn't have its origin in the world but in God and his character as manifested by the Holy Spirit and so Jesus says I'm not praying that they be removed from the world because that that wouldn't be any good but that they be protected while in the world especially from the evil one and Jesus says here that they've been sent into the world as he was sent into the world and they need to be dedicated to God. They need to be sanctified. They need to be set apart for God in the world, which is all about a renewed attitude of knowing what is right, even though it may make you different and bring rejection. Knowing what is right. As Philip Yancey said, says in one of his books, that sanctification is attitudinal, not geographical. Sanctification is all about the way we think in the world. It's not geographical that we be removed from the world because Jesus says, I'm not, I'm not asking you to remove them from the world. I'm actually asking you to send them into the world. They need to think differently. They need to have an ethic of difference. What would that thinking be like? Well, it's all about grace, truth, love. They need to think kindness when they're in the world, grace. Uh, They need to think truth, not deception, not leading other people astray and not doing doing things that are, are in any way off track, but they need to think about truth. And they need to think about love. The Hebrew word hesed in the Old Testament described God's faithful love. The Greek word agape, the unconditional love. Uh, This is what they need to be like. This is the way they need to be thinking. They need to be thinking hope and joy and unity. And this is the way they need to be thinking. We're called, we're not called out of the world. Quite to the contrary. Actually, we are called into the world to live differently (coughs) sometimes I sometimes I hear testimonies that concern me by people saying you know since I've let my workmates know that I'm a Christian um, they swear less around me and, and, and they don't tell dirty jokes as often and uh, and I've been able to stop smoking (laughs) and so forth as though those were the really big things that are 
in our ethic of difference. Now, those might all be very good things, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about that our workmates and our neighbours don't see a difference in us because of us not swearing and not smoking and whatever, but they see a difference in us because of our grace, the kindness that we show to them, the truthfulness that we're dedicated to, the love that we want to show to people. These are the things that are truly our ethic of difference. It's not permission to go and swear your head off or anything like that. Of course not. But may we be known as people who are people of grace. You know that community down the road that meets in that building? That church? They're incredible. Why are they so incredible? They're so kind. (laughs) They wouldn't use the word grace. But that's what they're talking about. They're so loving. They can be trusted. It's amazing. They can be so trusted. That's the ethic of difference. That's the ethic that we're called into the world to live out. This is the alternative lifestyle that God calls us to. But we must be deeply entrenched in the world for the world to experience that lifestyle Jeremiah 29 I've spoken on that passage more than once probably in this church over the years the letter to the exiles the Jews are exiled to Babylon Babylon in the Bible is is the the, the type the typology of evil and the people of God are sent there and the letter that is sent to them by God through Jeremiah is get involved get involved become a part of that city pray for that city do all you possibly can for that city because in its wellness in its shalom you too will experience shalom we are called to an ethic of difference of grace and love and truth to be lived out in the world that the world ultimately might understand what God is really like because that's why Jesus came in John chapter 1 so that the world would know what God is really like dear God we we thank you so much for your love for us and we thank you so much for the wonderful calling that we have to be your people in this world, in this neighbourhood, in our workplace, in our schools and wherever else you might take us. Thank you that uh, you send your Holy Spirit uh, to enable us and empower us to be those people, to live differently, to live your life. And now as we uh, talk with one another and congregate together and then later on leave this place to go back out into that world, May we be really good representatives of your character, of your ethic of difference, as we live out our our daily lives until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.